The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Walter Ciades Fedchuk bringing you a very, very special of the Rough Drafts podcast. If you guys have been paying attention to the channel, the last two weeks we've been doing our Spring Split team-by-team preview episodes. And one of the owners, one of those rosters, apparently listened to one of these episodes. Where? And... (laughs) Like uh, someone listened to one of these episodes and reached out to us and said, "Hey, I like the episode, but I think some of the things with your analysis are are slightly skewy. I'd love to come on the podcast sometime." So joining us from beautiful Rochester, New York, my hometown, a skyline back there, there and go. New York City. He's in both places. <laughs> the owner of Splice Laser Chicken, Marty. I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your last name. It's it's pronounced laser chicken, so you got it. It's perfect. laser chicken. <laughs> perfect. And um, as always. Just, I like to always quantify it as co-owner. I, I wish I could co-owner. claim that I did all this myself, but I certainly didn't, and I have awesome co-founders that worked with me. So Awesome. Co-owner of Splice, Marty Laser Chicken, and as always, my good friend and podcast co-host, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. How are you guys doing today? You know, I'm doing great. We get to talk to an LCS owner, and I get to pick the brain for a while because you know I've been a coach when I was over in Turkey. That's a very different experience, and in Turkey was very different from being in the major leagues of Europe. So I've wanted to to pick your brain for a while now. I think this is going to be. Uh, I'm very excited to to talk to you today, and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I look, guys. I appreciate you having me. You may think it's like a I, I same in reverse, right? Like I don't think I ever, most times people give a shit about my opinion, <laughs> even though uh, I, I have a bunch of esports teams. Doesn't mean people actually care, uh, especially people analyzing out there because they have their own opinions, right? So I appreciate that you actually care that I have something to say about some of your thoughts, and I um uh, I think that there's a lot of interesting analysis out there right now because we're what T minus. Five days, six days, I can't count right now from the start yeah. of LCS, so everyone's got an opinion, right? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, man, you, you do own multiple teams. I went on your website just because I wanted to refresh everything. You guys originally started as Follow Esports. Yeah, uh, you were, a long time ago. You, you were like the TV guide of esports. It was really helpful when you guys were like that. And I think you had you had a couple Smash players then, and you had... Did you well, have our a, first team was uh, Counter-Strike, actually. Counter-Strike, yeah. And, and it's because we honestly followed the Kingwin model. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking to a buddy of mine, and he said, you should get a team. And we said, what? He said, yeah, you know, instead of sponsoring, we just get a team and call it Follow Esports. And we talked about it, and we said, well, kind of makes sense. In fact, maybe we could even get other sponsors who aren't competitors and put those on the jersey, too. Mm-hmm. And so we picked up uh, what was called SKDC back then, SapphireColona.com for any mm-hmm. hardcore Counter-Strike fans. 
Um, and uh, it was it was really interesting because being a guy who came from theater and talent management, I was like, oh, wait, I like this way better than running a tech company. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it, too. I did, I did it in theater, film, and television for a decade. And uh, the rest is history, as they say, right? So yeah, you guys have you guys have branched out. Uh, you have the League of Legends team, obviously, which is why we're going to probably spend most of our time talking this episode. Uh, but you have a Call of Duty team that placed second at the Call of Duty World Championship. I saw you get into a little bit of a beef with some people on, <laughs> on Twitter with Scott so Gandhi the other day. Yeah, yeah. Um, you obviously you, you still have a CS:GO team. Uh, you have a couple Smash players. You have the World of Warcraft World Champions. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't know if, I, if you can't tell by being called Laser Chicken. That's my my original game. So like that was a, a, a pretty intense moment for me. I was in the crowd. I was like, there may be a tear or two. I'm not going <laughs> to. There may have been. So I I always forget World of Warcraft has an esports scene, and then BlizzCon happens, and there's a stream for it. And I'm like, oh, it will see we for go. me. Like I was one of those guys who back before. Esports was so main. We'll call it mainstream now, right? Like it's all over Twitch. I don't mean mainstream as in the whole general audience, but around gaming, it's mainstream, right? Um, back when, like, I played a ton of Warcraft, and someone would be like, "Hey, I'm putting together this little tournament. Do you want to help out?" And like, we'd help out and volunteer. And then also, it was cool to see these guys who just were sick on the server now playing on a stream. It, I don't. There wasn't even much money involved, right? And that's how I kind of got into esports. So it still like brings me back to I don't know five, six years or whatever. Uh, to doing that, that's why it, it, I, I have a more. I pay more attention to it than most, I guess you'd say, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And then just finishing off your roster: uh, Hearthstone player, Overwatch, Gears of War, and uh, two of the better StarCraft players that were on the market. Two of the best, I think you meant to say, not two of the better. Yeah, I, steal <laughs> there, by the way. Chase, that's Chase's realm. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a huge StarCraft guy, so you guys nerd out about about StarCraft for a yeah, moment. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about our StarCraft guys. Yeah, I feel like you got away with murder on some of those sightings. That was the fact that they were available is just. You know, I, you, someone has to fill in the gap in Korea, right? I like that teams like you are the ones that are looking to do it. I, I my my favorite moment of, of of the last few months, honestly, was when we reached out to Solar because we not not only Solar an incredible player. I mean, he won SSL in the summer. Um, he's won DreamHack. Uh, but he also has this personality, which you don't always get from uh, Korean players because they don't necessarily speak English very well, and he does. Mm-hmm. That is dynamic. If you saw him, like on Take TV, for example, uh, during the Home Story Cup, like he's funny and he's fun, and his stream is great, and people love his stream. He just started it, you know. Mm-hmm. So we reached out to him, but the reason I mention it is he goes splice oh my god i love your league of legends team he starts talking about how he watches this stuff and we're like you you know who we are <laughs> moment for us you know to be like a korean starcraft basically a guy who's probably gonna be a legend by the end of his career was like saying how much he liked our league of legends team and that was awesome so that's that's actually pretty incredible and that kind of brings me to one of these first points that i want to bring up we've gone through and, and basically listed all the all the games that you're in and it's quite quite a variety and when you look at where the players are from, Splice is pretty truly a, a global organization. You're a, a North American-based company, like I said, based out of upstate New York, that has a European League of Legends team and a UK Call of Duty team and a Mexican Gears of War team and a, you know two Korean StarCraft players. And even all your other teams are a mix of you know US-based and you know mainly European-based. Yep. So... Why Why do that? Why not just be a North American organization and, and just focus primarily on North American esports? So there's two reasons for this. Number one, if if you owned if you owned uh, let's say a soccer team, right? 
and you wanted to go gain more fans for your soccer team, you don't get to go out and say, I'm going to find people who don't know soccer, right? There's probably a pretty good chance you're not going to find them. You're pretty much stuck with what I call five-year-olds. I mean, they turn five and they start to discover the world of sports and they're figuring out what games they like, right? That's all you get open to. Esports is in this amazing place right now where a large majority of the world are five-year-olds. They're just finding esports for the first time. And so anytime it can be spliced as the first brand or the brand they attach themselves to, I'm a happy man, right? Like I want them to go, that's my favorite team. I mentioned when we were talking pre-show that I'm a huge Spurs fan. I love the San Antonio Spurs. I've been a fan for like almost 30 years now. Mm-hmm. That's that's not going to change, right? Like my love wasn't fly by night. I'm not like, oh, another player's gone. And that happens. Some <laughs> people are like around a certain player. They're like a team like Jordan the Bulls, let's say, right? Where people mm-hmm. are on that. And so that's a fan affinity with a brand. And I want to build that now. Also because I love generational fans, where that fan teaches their kids the, to love to love our, our brand. Um, and, and, I, and so that extends to, like, why not just North America? Because that's a very small population of people in the world, and it's a truly global game. I mean, by game, I mean all the games, right? As opposed to uh, NBA or NHL or NFL, where they tend to be more centralized in North America. Mm-hmm. But even look at NBA and how much they've done outreach out in the other areas and how much they're influencing their global presence. They wish they could have the reach we do in esports. I promise you, you know. I've heard so, that before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's true because we access fans. I, I mean, I'll be talking to a Danish fan and a Mexican fan and a Korean fan all splice fans. How often do you think the Bulls get to do that, right? Engage with fans so globally like that and then have them engage each other. And, th- and that's really exciting to me. Yeah. And not only that, but they can engage with themselves on the click of a button on social media and everything else. I mean, honestly, all the reasons you described are why I got into esports in the first place, because I was a huge fan of traditional sports. I'd been a diehard Falcons fan for about 14 years of my life for better and for worse. And I get to the UK and I can't watch sport, you know, my traditional sports anymore. They're on at weird hours. They don't air all the games that I watch. So I got in esports because it is so global, because no matter where you are, the VODs are there. You can follow your teams. And, you know, we're huge proponents of, of becoming fans of a brand. And I, so I definitely connect with that message quite a bit. Uh, and there's another message that I think you guys have been able to, uh, to handle very well, which is, the, the message that you send out as far as gaining sponsorship. You know, this is something we hear in Europe all the time. It's so much harder to get sponsors out there in Europe. It's so much harder to get, you know, non-endemic sponsors when, you're, when you go outside of North America. Um, how have you guys been able to be so successful in that regard? Is it, you know, just your history in the entertainment business? Or, or what is it you think has allowed you to be successful with that? So I say it's a few things. Number one is quality of brand has to be first. So we've... Um, one of my co-founders, Vinny, is an incredible designer. Everything you see, he designs. So he's been a designer for like 18 years now. Um, he's worked with major brands, Victoria's Secret, Bed Bath & Beyond, like Neutrogena. We're not talking little brands. So he has that work ethic that says it's got to be incredible. So we have this really beautiful brand where everything from our website to our jerseys, everything is really well designed. Some people say we have the best merch in the business. I love hearing that because it makes me go, okay, so we've accomplished that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, that they want to be tied to that. And then secondly, win. Like winning matters, and we've done a fair amount of that this year. You know, whether it's Call of Duty or in a League of Legends, etc. Um, and then, and then thirdly, it's delivery. And I think that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot in esports, but. Not every esports team is great at actually delivering on what they say they're going to to sponsors, whether it's super simple things like it's on the Twitch page, right? Or it's on their jersey or very simple. That's not even work once it's done, right? Like it's there, it's done, forget about it. And uh, so, so we, I think we execute really well. 
and, and the fourth and final thing is honestly just hard work. Um, myself and Grant, who works in our partnerships department, we just grind the grind. And I don't believe in the, well, 2017 started, so we're done for the year. Uh, 2017 started, so we will be grinding out sponsorships all year round, 365 days a year. And I, I've seen in the past some people get the idea that, oh, the budget's locked for the year. And that's just simply not true. And um, so, so that's about the kind of more global answer to your question. But about more specifically different regions, we kind of look at what different sponsors are looking for. So our, our ViewSonic sponsorship actually started because of our European presence. They were looking to access more in Europe, and we actually deal uh, most primarily with their European division, for example, uh, versus um, someone like um, – uh, what's what's a, a good example? Um, Exol Academy, which is our coaching platform, they, it wasn't necessarily regional, but we were looking at game-specific things, right? So we ended up focusing mostly on Overwatch with them because it's a new game. A lot of people are trying to learn it, so there's a lot of coaching opportunities. Right. So I, I often don't walk into things going, hey, hey Chase, look, I, I already know what you want. Here it is. Here's the package. It costs X dollars. Like, that's silly to me, and that's what people actually assumed a lot of times, that I don't do that. I say, well, Chase, what is it you want? And then let me figure out how I can deliver it to you and then let's see what it costs and let's see how we deliver it correctly. And then even when it's done, let's figure out if it worked or not. Like some of our best sponsors have signed for multiple times because we finished the first time and they actually weren't happy. Not because we didn't deliver, but it just didn't accomplish what we all thought it would. So we said, okay, let's break it down and figure out why. And I, I have one sponsor right now. We just recently got our deal back together for the third time after a couple of three-month contracts. And they're super stoked for this one-year program. It looks nothing like the other two. And the reason is because we t tested some things. They, some things worked, some things didn't, so we kept things that did and so on and so forth. So I don't think it's a formula like saying about regions. I don't think it's a formula by saying about um, uh, if, you were, if you were purely based in certain games or anything like that. Um, I, we'll get there, right, like where it'll matter more that you're in certain games or you're in certain regions. Right now, a lot of the endemics are looking for people that actually deliver, have super high quality, and can can uh, find the ways that are successful for them. That isn't just simply splatter my logo on your Twitter and tweet for me once a week, right? Mm -hmm. We did that at the beginning, by the way. I'm not going to pretend like we did. We just, <laughs> hey, here you go. Here's your tweet, and here's your logo, and it's not great, right? So. Right. Sorry, it was a long-winded answer to your question. No, it, very appreciated. You know, I think that you're absolutely right and that you, you need to find that connection with people. That's something we've had to do for the podcast is just finding out what people are looking for and how we can tailor content. I mean, it's, it's very important to be able to, you know, take that feedback and turn it into something positive, um, which I think you, you've done. Obviously, year one, you have to be happy with how that went out with uh, this League of Legends team talking about success that was yeah i mean I, I i literally sat down with the guys when we were doing you know resigning and i said well we certainly have nothing to talk about on the on the rift do we because i could say you exceeded all of my expectations in every aspect so <laughs> interesting uh so in your ama when you first purchased the the dignitas eu lineup you did an ama you, you brought up a bunch of things and and this kind of tailoring off of expectations you brought up SMART goals, and I'll put a link to the link that you put in that AMA so people who don't know what SMART goals are, take a quick look, understand them. So part of this is timing, part of this is making responsible and achievable goals, and like you said, you basically exceeded expectations on the Rift with your League of Legends team in year one. You even said in the interview, our, our goal isn't necessarily to get to Worlds right away, we want to build this up, and you know, playoffs is really our, our first chance. And in Split 1, 
you went the opposite way, but then in split two, you hit the playoffs, you hit that well, mark. Can I, can I interrupt you to say that? Of course. They went the opposite way. So here's what I would say. This is what's interesting because uh, this will be where I'll segue from a little bit of the analysis I've heard, not just from you guys, but in general for people on the internet, is people are so focused on like, oh, what a failure split one was. They went back to relegation. They didn't seem to have any shining lights, etc. And if you really look at split one and break down what it was, it was – Four rookies, I mean, I'm sorry, three rookies and um, one half-split guy in Nisbeth and one full-split guy. Our, our veteran was trashy full-split, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so we had a total of a, a split and a half between all five guys. Mm-hmm. Went uh, uh, into this thing without a, a, a veteran leader like you would normally have in that circumstance. A lot of times you'd be like, hey, hey rookie, you're alongside frogging or somebody's been doing this forever right and and they were getting their footing and so a lot of things uh, very early on what i what i love about jacob yamato cannon is that he didn't go in going look guys you're all mechanically gifted we all get that let's forget that let's break down the game and and build up how you play the game from scratch in a lot of ways it takes a lot of time right Right. so imagine you go play for phil jackson in basketball he does the, the famous triangle basketball that is incredibly difficult concept and you might be a sick basketball player but you have to break down what you do to learn how to play the game basketball almost all over again to start playing in the triangle some people can't by the way some people are cannot play the triangle they suck at it right Correct. um and in the same way like yamato canon what i love about him as a coach is he has his own style and his own philosophy which the coaches are supposed to have right. we've got this idea in the past that coaches are pick band specialists which is really silly um because I mean, the players can pick band if we give them enough information. What the hell do they need to coach to that for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what they need is a leader and someone to really shape the vision of the team and, the co- and make some cohesion and all that kind of stuff. But that first split, if you watched week over week, it was small small improvements. So we talk about smart goals, but it's short-term achievable goals, right? Um, get a little better each week. And yeah, there's always going to be anomalies of ups and downs, but it, it really culminated in things like when we per- almost perfect gamed Fnatic. Yeah. And I think it was week seven. Um, followed by week eight or week nine, people remember that we beat, we lost a G2, but if you watch that game, we were ahead for a good chunk of that game in a game we arguably should have gotten stomped according to what everyone thought, right? Because right. you be so far to everyone that, that, that split. And when we came out of that split going is, wow, from where we were in week one to week nine, it was incredibly different. It was that little progress. And that was all we expected. And I remember having a conversation with Jacob in between splits saying, what do you think? Do you think we need to make some big changes or whatever? And he, and he's, for a, at the time, a 20-year-old, 20, 20 a 21-now-year-old kid, he said to me, very maturely said, you remember what we said, right? We're going to take this, this year is our, uh, we're, we're, we're pacing it. That, that we got everything we wanted out of the first split. I said, you're absolutely right. right? That's absolutely right. So what do you want to do? So of course, we did make a change. Um, you know, we, we uh, made the change in support, but it wasn't that we, we were like, we must make sense, right? Like we were out going, uh, looking for it, but it, it was an opportunity, I guess, is the way to, way to look at it. Um, but, that's because it was a, a more slow measured approach. And then so so I'm going to jump ahead, even though we didn't quite get to it, of why why are we with the same roster again this year, right? Well, number one, we have three 18-year-old kids. 18. Correct. Yeah. They, if anybody thinks they've reached the capacity of what they're capable of doing, well, then they don't belong talking about League of Legends competitively, right? Mm-hmm. So at least three out of my five players – 
somewhere between here and here we haven't touched yet, whatever their, their specific ceilings are. The other two haven't played competitively for that long. So no matter their age, it's not like they've been playing competitive for eight years or something like that and they've capped right. out. I mean, we're talking about guys like Amazing and Soaz having resurgences and how long have those guys been playing for, right? And so yeah. clearly, we, again, all five players have, have room. So if we look at the entirety of the year, we got all those growth steps out of the way. People like uh, uh, Mickey got their opportunity to play on the craziest, biggest stage three months into his professional yeah. career. And that's that's a big step, right? Yeah. That's awkward. He got to have his nerves and get out of the way and be like, whoa, what was that craziness? And now that's done and go back and grow from that. So um, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this last point then and kind of throw it back to you guys. Yeah, of course. This is something specific in your podcast that I, and I've heard other people kind of um, comment in similar directions. They talk about Kabe and and how he was lower in the first split and much more dynamic in the second split and then maybe some more different in, in uh, worlds. And something I want to point to uh, it was you said – I remember which one of you, but the, I'll, I'll poorly quote you. Something about, you know, there's going to be a mean to come back to. Are we going to see it closer to what we saw in yeah. the second split or closer to first split or da-da-da? I would argue that neither of those things are true because the third thing is Kabe is one year into his career. Mm-hmm. And so the progression doesn't end because he had a dynamic second split. I think the progression continues. Am I 100%? Oh, sure of that? Of course not. That's sports, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I were sure of that, I'd be a gajillionaire right now, and I'd be working consulting for a lot of sports teams, right? Mm-hmm. But well, the reason I believe in him is, like, maybe he had... I'm not a statistical guy in, in League of Legends, because that's not... I'm just not. <laughs> but, um, and I leave it to folks like you to tell me. I, I understand, I guess, his stats weren't as good, maybe at Worlds or something, so so there are always going to be these ups and downs, right? But generally, the curve is going up. So my expectation of someone like Kabe is not that he'll settle in somewhere in here where he's Ben, but I expect I think can go up here. I think can go up here, and I, I, I truly believe that. So you don't have to agree with me, right? Like that's the great thing about sports; we don't have to agree. But that's kind of my thought process. Yeah. So, so you basically you bring up you you have like three major points in this. So I'll hit on one. Chase will hit on. I know one. I talked forever. I'm hey, gonna, I, we appreciate it. That, that's we'll, the rant we'll we were it. hoping for when you came on yeah. the show. So, like I said, ten, we can do this for ten hours. <laughs> show. Like I'm totally okay with that. I know people always joke like, how come we don't have three and a half hour epic podcasts anymore? Right? My my wife will kill me if it's three and a half hours. <laughs> Um, but the first point is something you bring up uh, about analysis, and I think part of the reason why I will say myself in particular was so critical of splice in the spring split is because we had this expectation that was created based off of the performance of Dignitas EU in the challenger series. They were the big guns. They swept through everything. They were, they were a dominant team and we had this expectation. And I think I remember when we did a preview episode talking about Senkux and being like this guy and G2 perks have a chance to be part of this next echelon of great European mid laners. And Do you know what's really interesting about you saying that, though? If you think about it, you put perks in a very different system, though. So you put Senkooks in a team where it's like, hey, the, here's a whole bunch of other rookies. And you're right. all going to have to figure out. It goes back to what I mentioned about rookies and, and pros. Mm-hmm. Senkooks kind of, hey, you're still going to be the leader. You're still going to be the star. But everyone can focus on you, right? Like Perks got to thrive with a guy like Trick next to him, for example. Mm-hmm. Like it's very different circumstances. And, and, and that, that's actually exactly what I'm going into is that when we, when we compared them, you know, justifiably or not, we were comparing G2 and Splice the entire way. And I think that's a great point that you bring up is that we look at that and we go, 
Well, yeah, they're both Challenger Series team, but Emperor and Trick had both had experience in, in other regions. Trick had played, you know, a few games in Korea. Kickus was the top laner at the time for G2. He had experience, although it was in the jungle position. So I think Kickus is a solid player for European LC. Absolutely. So I, I, I do think you're actually correct in being somewhat critical of people going, oh, well, they, you know, Splice was relegated and G2 won the entire split. And I think you're correct that we sort of did compare apples to oranges in that case, where we aren't taking into account some of the, the tiny little things, like you said. You have three players that were absolutely rookies, uh, you know, the 18 years old, and I think... 17 for most of the year. 17, <laughs> yeah, 17. And I'm going to throw this to Chase, because you then your second point is talking about Yamato Cam. Yeah, And Chase has a little bit more experience dealing with Yamato Cannon as a fan than I do. So so Chase, why don't you why don't you bring up your thoughts on Yamato Cannon? Yeah, well I was gonna say first of all, I'll take a credit and blame for the copy point. That was me on the podcast. And it and it comes down to I, I think you made a very good point about narrative when hey, it comes you're to you're welcome opinion. No I yeah, I look, it's uh it's one of those things where I still have my qualms about him. You know, we'll do our final predictions I think in a in a future episode. But uh, you know, I, I have worries. I, I'm more confident than I am in you know, some other things, but I, I think that it's, it's very interesting how you point out that there's this whole other narrative going on that sometimes gets ignored because of the way that we do our week by week instant response to whatever games that we just saw. You don't yep. necessarily see the patterns unfolding to you until you tend to take a step back. And that was something when I did my final rankings, I very much had to take that step back and see like, well, they are only 18 and they do have this curve here. And I, you know, if you're going to gamble wrong, you know, gamble on the upside, you know, take the risk that yeah. these guys who can still improve. As opposed are to, get you know, there. we love to do in sports all the time is go, hey, this coach who's failed four times at four NFL teams, let's give him a fifth shot, right? Yeah. Like, and George Carl. Coach that might blow all our expectations. It always <laughs> killed me when sports does that. You yeah. Know? Always, uh, always fun to fail upwards, as Jeff Fisher would tell you for a while yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. They get jobs over and over again as they continue to fail and get fired, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk to you about Yamada Cannon because not only sure. did I have have him as a when I was I'm a Rocket fan. I just throwing it out there. Love okay. you guys in Spice, but I that's my hardcore team <laughs> since season three. Shout out to Fly if you're watching this. Um, I have seen Yamato Cannon coach my team. Uh, that did not he did not have a very successful stint over at Rocket. I would say there were some very clear problems when the playoffs rolled around. Uh, he's obviously grown very much as a coach and as someone who has been a coach, I'm curious when you talk about the system that he's put in place and this kind of plan that you've had, what is it specifically that that Jacob brings to that other than the fabulous, you know, Tomato Canyon memes and everything else? What is it that allows him to be the leader that you've wanted him to be? So let, let, let's all say we all love the fact that he is the celebrity that he is, right? Like no one's going to take that away Absolutely. from him. It's fantastic to have a face to your team. Like Bjergsen gets to be for TSM. I, I mean, I, I do love that. So, so we'll get that out of the way. Um, Jacob brings a, uh, a patience and a measured approach to dealing with very young guys. You know, um, Mickey is kind of silly and Kabe is kind of reserved and, and trashy loves to make jokes and everyone has their personalities. Right. And you know, this is always the difference between challenger and, and LCS in general is having a, a legitimate system around people changes the way you practice. Let's say for example. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, even simple things like going, you don't even need to bring your cell phone in the room. When you sit down, if I catch you on social media, you're in trouble, right? Because there's that level of respect. And not even in trouble, like I'm going to punish you. But you think of it when your father is disappointed in you, right? Like there's almost that level of relationship, which is spectacular to watch. Um, 
even very, very, very early on. So I visited the LCS week one um, last year uh, for the owners conference and to see week one. And it was the first time I'd gotten together with everybody. Okay. So I'd met some of the guys in uh, Copenhagen before that, but I hadn't gotten with everybody. And I watched a moment where I can't remember exactly what was said. Um, it was between scrims or something like that. And Senkook said one thing and, and Jacob gra- uh, just grabbed him for a second and, and talked to him for like 12 seconds. And he looked at him and looked in the eye. You could see Senkook took it in, nodded his head and went on, right? The lesson was said, it was taken and it was moved on. And so he's only working with your model at that point for three weeks. And the respect level was already astronomically high to where if I said the same thing to him in that time period where I just got to know him, it, it would have been in one year or the other, not because of who he is, but because he's a 17-year-old, right? Right. Um, right. And I was the same way at 17 years old. But like I saw him look him in the eye, respect everything he was saying, and go, I understand why you're talking to me right now, why I need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um some of those are purely intangible. That's some of that's personality, right? Like we don't all get to have that. I'm a fast talking, energetic, crazy energy type person. That's just me, right? Like I will never be slow talking, measured, uh, precise Yamato. We are actually very different in that way. Philosophically, we are so in line. That's why we love working together. And that's why uh, we've now done this for two seasons in a row together. Um, he, you know, he certainly gets other suitors both last season and this season, you know, um, but but the other thing I think that's really important about why he's successful is Jacob doesn't sit down and go, okay, guys, do some scrims. At the end, I'm going to give you some notes. Um, uh, wonder at that one point you shouldn't have tower dove and send cooks at one point. I want you to be more aggressive. That's not what it's about, right? right. They're right. looking at the entirety of macro play, right? They're looking at the entirety of how the game of League of Legends is played. And I don't know a lot of coaches are doing that right now. You know, what if you look at, uh, we'll go back to the Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson doesn't go, uh, hey, well, I'll say Derek Rose is not there anymore, but Derek Rose, you should have passed the ball here. I mean, yes, he does that too, but he also goes, here's how the game of basketball in Chicago is played. And that's the difference is we have Splice League of Legends, right? We have a way the game is played as, as an organization. And it, it reminds me a bit of uh, if you look at um, uh, um, certain like, like uh, single-player games, that you'll see that more often because it relies on one player, right? So Smash is famous for this. People have more aggressive, less aggressive styles. Um, you see it in Street Fighter. Uh, StarCraft, absolutely, you'll see this in. People who like to play all-ins versus very conservative. So you don't get that, I think, as often in team games because you change one player and the whole dynamic can change if it's just t- player-based. Right. So I, I think, you know... At the very like rudimentary level, he's bringing structure, he's bringing his own style to it, and he's bringing a stability that even when you do say something like, okay, Nisbeth out, Mickey X in, right? It didn't change the identity of the team at all because now Mickey X is learning a system and a style. And I can compare that to our Counter-Strike team, for example, where we don't have a coach, where it's really challenging when we get new players. Okay, so we just got uh, two brand new players in Ricks and Drone, right? Mm-hmm wonderful players they fit right in and and chemistry wise the guys are having some of the most fun they've ever had playing counter-strike because they finally have five guys they really fit well everyone fits their role however getting to the point where they were as you know five eight months ago it takes a lot of time right because you don't have that one stylistic component because their style is going to be different now right with these new players so so so, uh, that's kind of the very basic level. It doesn't get to some of your points, which I think you, I know you want to talk about, like what are the next levels and what are his capabilities. But I think at the rudimentary level, that's kind of the important way to look at it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that you hit on a lot of points that, you know, we 
don't see enough in conversations when we talk about teams in general. You know, when we talk about teams having infrastructure and having a system that you could trust, it's not about, you know, who has the biggest sponsors, who has the most flares on Reddit. It's about who has a coach who understands a system, has a specific outline for how he wants the game to be played, and can impart that on players in a way that where they want to buy in. I mean, that's yeah. the number one thing that you, if you're going to have, you know, you could have the best coach in the world. If you don't buy in, it's, it's pointless. And you could have, I mean, how many coaches walk off stage and will go, guys, that was on me. I, my pick band was poor there. Right. How many coaches will do that? And Yamato will absolutely do that. He like, that's that to me is like NBA or NFL level, right? Like a coach will walk off the field and go, I called the wrong plays or I put the wrong guy in. Right. Yeah. That that's a very different thing than our pick band specials as we talk about, right? right. Is Yamato perfect? Of course not. He'll tell you, he'll be the first one to tell you he's not perfect. None of us are, right? He's 21 years old, but he's got all the tools and that's what I love about him, so. Exactly. And those tools, you know, they take time to, you know, as he has to sort it out, watch, you know, see the players grow and then adapt to their changing skill sets and everything. It, it, it explains a lot of why it would take a split to figure all that out and why yeah. the second split, you know, if you're one of those people who believes that Splice is going to be able to recreate that, it's going to be because those factors are still very much in place. And that's kind of this end of the spectrum that I lean on at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, well, you know what's really interesting, too, is uh, I, I'm just going to throw, like you mentioned about like seeing the growth in the split. One of the points people talked about is how poorly we did in the Unicorns of Love series, right? And how we expected to sweep through that. Uh, but everyone forgets that we switched out of, switched to standard lanes, right? Yes. And we were playing an entirely different game all of a sudden. And what was really interesting is it's people will say, well, does that mean this place can't play standard lanes? And I would say, absolutely not. It just means that we were so built and structured because we are a structure team and we don't do what I'll call the, um, I, I'm not, I'm not, this is me not quashing on their approach. It's just a different approach. The immortals approach where they get five really talented people and put them together, right? They're not putting people into a system. At least I don't think so. It's not outwardly what it looks like. It looks like they're going to get the five best talents and, and putting it together. Right. And then theoretically one or two of just the skills of the players will just figure out the new, you know, new meta when you've actually built the game of league of legends at splice a certain way that itself has to adapt to the new meta is, is the way I kind of think of it. If that makes sense. You're basically discussing uh, for people who pay attention to basketball, the Pat Riley versus Greg Popovich approach where yeah. Riley is I'll go get the talented guys. Talent works. They'll make it, you know, if the coach doesn't get in the way, <laughs> if the coach doesn't get in the way, ta talent will figure it out. And yep. that was successful for Miami at, at you know, bringing in LeBron and, Bosch to pair with Wade, like they ended up figuring that out, and that was probably more because LeBron James is a once in a generation talent that is willing to take a back and, seat. At and what people don't mostly know is that because um, Dwayne Wade was willing to take a step back, and that is very, very rare for a player. He's a top ten player of all time, maybe at the end of his career. And it's it's rare for that to happen, you know. Yeah. And so. then and then Popovich or you being an upstate New York boy, Jim Beheim. It's yeah. a system. I pick players exactly. that, that come and fit into the system. So I think that's very apropos. And we normally attribute the system to Fnatic. We, we, we talk quite a bit about the Fnatic system, but okay. I think we almost do that more as a, as a culture as opposed to like the nitty-gritty, this is how Fnatic League of Legends is played. There have been moments where there's the you know tried-and-true XPEC ASOAS sit in a bush, the Fnatic death bush, that gets brought up every once in a while. But uh, I... I haven't thought about Splice having this sort of very rigid playbook type system in my analysis. So. I, th I think we're a split away. You got you to have two successful yeah. splits before we say 
This is clearly a system where we can point to and say you're going to have continued success. Well, which, no, and which I, is a challenge for you guys. We want to see you guys rise up to that. Yeah, that and awesome. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree at all. Right? Like, it's not if you if you have success for a single season in any sport, you're forgotten about years down the road. Right? Like yeah. that's that's just a fact. Um, it's the continued success that makes people look back at like, let, hey, we're in Tahoe, Western New York. How about the Buffalo Bills? Right? Like there was a period of time where they were very successful. People make jokes in the championship, but they were one of the most successful teams of all time. Yeah. And the entire sport, right? I'm not a Bills fan, so I'm certainly not trying to pat their back. It's okay, you're killing me. No, right? Yeah, yeah, no, he's dying slowly on the inside. I appreciate this. Please continue. But my point being that there, there's a reason that they're talked about and and important to the history of the sport, in the same way the Dallas Cowboys are, in the same way the 49ers are. We're talking about the same generation, right? And the reason no one cares the Redskins won one Super Bowl or did they win? I forget. They were really good for one season as a point where like nobody cares except Redskins fans. I don't think, I don't right. think they won that. They won like, one. Oh, they, but you get my point. Where, like it's not important unless you have some measure of sustained success like over a period of time, mm-hmm. which is why when people ask me, in fact, uh, what is my philosophy? I'd rather win three championships in 10 years than one right now. Anytime. Anytime. I, I think that's that's very fair. And I think so far, you know, the last – Minutes, we've really been focused on things that other people might risk, right? Like the system you guys have tried to put in place, the growth and the way we would expect young players to kind of curve upwards. You know, there those are factors that, you know, both analysts and fans alike don't always get right or don't always take into account when they make their And uh, might be great for all I know, right? Like someone might be terrible when we come back for all I know, right? Yeah, so. but I'm just curious, like you, you've obviously, you've seen all these articles come out. You've watched our podcast. I'm sure you've read all the other, you know, the, the big analysts who make their predictions, you know, that it's kind of hard not to, you know, see these things when you're running. I read team, a lot obviously. more. We all read a lot more than we let on. Let's put it that way. So. I, yeah, I think that's that is always the case. And I'm curious if there's one thing you've noticed when you're looking at, you know, whether it's particularly for this split or just over the the year and a half now that's, you know, well, year or so, I guess I should say, that Splice has been in the ULCS. Uh, if there are any other traps that you see people commonly following into, either over-evaluating uh, or overestimating the value of one particular trait or maybe underestimating something that you wish people talked about more often? Um, I ca- I'd say a couple things. The first is panic roster changes. Um, uh, even be- I was a fan for a couple of years before we did this, so I've, I've watched it happen, not just, not just the crazy amount of roster changes we had between splits, um, you know, for us, we were building a roster for the first time, so it wasn't surprising that after Split, just finally seeing our players play, we made a roster change. But you saw some pretty significant roster changes across the entire ecosystem, North America and Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people, I mean, part of this is relegation, that's unfortunate, right? Like, relegation scares people, and so you are, you are almost, I think it was Reggie said this once, he's like, look, like, we'd love to let talent develop, but... If relegation starts getting a real thing, we get scared and we don't want to lose our slot and we have to make reactions. That sucks. And I agree, right? Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do, let's take Mickey as an example. Let's say Mickey did come in. Let's say he had a shaky split instead of the amazing split he had where he legitimately could have been rookie of the split, right? right. And uh, I've been going, geez, can we even afford another split with this guy? Maybe halfway through the split we get rid of him in a normal kind of circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. Um Fortunately, we weren't anywhere near relegation, and even if that was shaky, we could say that's that's we still think he's the guy of the future, and that's what matters, right? right. And, it, and I think I think if you look at traditional sports, I mean, God, how many players are terrible for the first couple of years uh, into the pros, but you can see all the makings of a great pro. Mm-hmm. Um, Kabe, for example, one of the ways I think it, people miss. Um, 
first split wasn't great people say right his work ethic is almost unparalleled the guy is incredible and his mechanical skills is there because of that because mechanical skill a lot of times is about refining it right like just beating it to death almost that's what makes Bjergsen so great like people will say he puts in more time than almost anybody right um another great Dane but it took a while for it to translate whether it was nerves I don't know whether it was him just figuring out how to do it on stage who knows right Imagine I wasn't willing to do that and said, you know what, I'm just going to go out. I need to get another 80 carry. There was a bunch of these experienced ones at the time who were unemployed, but arguably not as good. Copy made it to worlds, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so that's, I'd say, the first one for sure. And sometimes the right, sometimes the wrong, but it's tough. I wish people had time to wait for talent more. Um, the second thing I think is the, uh, this is philosophical again, is the focus on an individual talent and like it's a team game, you know? In Call of Duty, you can do that, right? Like you pick up when we picked up Jurd in Call of Duty. Like people are like, "Damn, they just got Jurd!" Like who's beating this team now? They already advanced, already Josh. Now they got Jurd. All right, killer. I'm, I, and then Mad Cat's up. It's a sick team. No one in Europe will argue that, right? In League of Legends, you pick a player, and people try to make the same correlate. Oh my God, Double Lift went to TSM. They're unstoppable now. He's the best AD carry in North America. And a lot of those things are true. Like he is an incredible AD carry and stuff like that. Because it's a very team-oriented game where your team dynamics matter so much. You don't make heroic plays. Like Bance literally won us part of the world championship in, in Call of Duty by himself. He won V3, right? Like that is so yep. much rarer in League of Legends for that to happen, right? It's much more often that one person throws the game for you than wins it for you in League of Legends. Yes. Everyone so, remembers Doublelift stepping into the victor. Yeah. Everyone remembers that. <laughs> oh my god! There was a point where we're, we're I mean, people remember, don't remember that we we lost to TSM twice, but we almost obliterated them both games. You know, like there was we obliterated Doublelift at one point. Like, why I, don't you have QSS Doublelift? Why don't you have QSS? <laughs> there was a point where under tower he just got exploded, right? Yeah. So like even the best players that happens to, but so that's not really my point, but it's, it's a fun fun thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, my point though to get back to is. Just by going and going, oh, I just went and got the best Korean XYZ or we just brought over this Danish whatever, that is a piece of the puzzle, right? But there's so many dynamics to look at that go, how does this person fit in the personality of the team? How do they, like, how does their role fit in? In League of Legends, we have the luxury of positions, you don't have that luxury as much in game like CSGO where, yeah, they play positions, but they shift sometimes, right? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, does he fit here? And does is it different because Chase plays first in different than I, I used to? So now maybe, uh, maybe he can't do the same. You know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. different. Um, so I, I think those two things to me are, are probably two of the on, – on the playing field anyway. The two biggest things I see um, as a – uh, I'll say this right, a very untalented person in League of Legends. I have no idea what I'm talking about, to be completely honest. I'm talking to you from a purely philosophical standpoint. I actually suck at the game. So. <laughs> like, I, think, I think most of us actually do, and if we didn't, we'd <laughs> probably be on the LCS stage. Oh, no, I say I suck. I mean, I have yet, yet to get... I have done three placement games ever. I haven't even played ranked, so... That's that's fine. My players told me that I actually get made it worse for them to get scrims when I played ranked because my rank was so bad that other teams would look at it and say, who's this joker? We don't want to scrim with his team. So I guess you got that going for you. Your players are probably you grateful. Go. 
I'm pretty good at Hearthstone. I'll take that one. So. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll bring up another another philosophical discussion. So sure. I, I would like you to travel back in time, and I want you to be going back to your AMA that you There's did in young, I did a little Wayne's World thing. That's like, <laughs> I appreciate it. Perfect. So. perfect. I want you to, to bring us back to 2015, 2016, Marty. And I want you to tell us what your goal for, for Splice, for the League of Legends team, but if you want to do for the entire organization, I'm okay with that. For what would 2015-16 Marty's goal for 2017 be versus what is today's Marty's goal for 2017? And how much do they differ? I'm going to caveat one thing. Let's forget that for a little while, Marty had a, was a tech company head and cared differently, right? Like at Absolutely. First, Absolutely. I openly admit it was a marketing effort. We got teams because uh, we didn't realize what we were doing before we became a pro team, right? And then and that website's closed down, et cetera, and that's not our focus, okay? Right. So as a pro team head, though, um, my goal for 2017 would be to be a dominant force in League of Legends. So year one is about establishing, right? You have, I mean, we lived in the Copenhagen Wolves team house. Like we didn't even have time to get our own team house, right? We just get, got someone else's. This year we have an incredibly awesome team house uh, that the guys are like, I'm, I'm pretty sure ecstatic about. It's like triple the size of the other one, right? Nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty sick. I can't wait to do a house tour for it. Um, everyone's got their own rooms, for example, which people need. They need privacy, right? right. Um, so, so, so very basic things that you could just couldn't do in year one because you need to throw the team, you need to get out there, get contract signed, and play the game, right? Um, but in comparison, I think expectations now aren't uh, just about being a dominant in the game. It's more, more broadly being a, a fan favorite. Right. Um, I think that looking at 2016, one of the things that we didn't do effectively enough is um, uh, build our, build our uh, LCS brand and build our each player's brand. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, some of it is due to having a poor first split. Right. Like winning does help a lot. Right. I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I want to be able to see the, the shining star of some of our players like grow these great social media followings and do stories about them and really grow that, but also grow like this Splice fan base. I'm, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite fan bases out there, the Unicorns Love, man. Like, it yeah, is so cool to sit in LCS and see their fans there. They are, like, they're dedicated. They're hardcore, and I love that. I, I want to see that. And and we, we can do a lot more for that. Uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have um, Hans, our uh, our manager of the League of Legends team, come back this year. He's now a director of all of our European operations for, uh, for Splice. Um, and he has a lot of great ideas and great talent for, for doing that kind of stuff and is already, you know, working on some things. Uh, because I think if you're a rookie at this, at what, at what I do, not in the game, mm-hmm. you go, let's win games, right? Yeah. Very basic. If as you get more advanced, you go, that's a small piece of the puzzle. I'm an entertainment industry veteran for like 15, 16 years now. This is entertainment. We're entertaining for that. What was it? Two hours a week on the rift. What about the rest of the week, right? What about all the rest of the year in general? And we did, we got better at that as the year went on, but there's so much more we can do there. So the fans are, are entertained and enjoy and love the brand 365 days a year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, the unicorns of love. I mean, when you have the, the pink unicorn hats you could put on at any moment, you know, maybe Rogaine you guys did- charge with his big, beautiful chest out there. Yeah, oh, where's a, where's your guy it. with the chest and like the the rattlesnake going across or whatever? Where's your Cobra Jake you the Snake Roberts? Uh, That's no, who no. you need. You need Jake the Snake Roberts to go out there for you guys. I do. That's a fair point. 
Well, we'll well, the snake thing, it's funny because I don't know how that manifests. You know, it's like so many sports sports um, mascots. Do you really have somebody in a snake costume? I'm no different. <laughs> the Spurs don't have a spur out there, right? Like, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll leave that marketing side of things up to you. Yeah, but, I don't mean to, I don't decide those. Things. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I want a couple quick hits, real quick, uh, before we uh, round this out. Uh, favorite behind the scenes story, whether it's like a particularly funny player or just a moment that you would not have had if it hadn't been for owning the Celsius team. Stands out. I'll tell you a touching one, I guess. Okay. Um, the, you know, when we were uh, at the European uh, Championship in Poland and we finished our games and we came backstage and, you know, Jacob spoke to the players um, and he's just such a powerful leader. I, I, like I said, you don't get to see it all the time, but he's, he's a powerful, powerful leader. And the things he said, was, he stood there stoic in front of these just downtrodden five young men who just like they knew they could win right mm -hmm. and they made some mistakes and some things that they got maybe out of plate or whatever but it's, they ha they have the talent to win it's not like, like they were outclassed or anything like that and they didn't right, right. we and he ended his speech and it you felt like there was another day and there was more to this journey as he even put it right and then i afterwards i got to say a few words to the guys and remind them how like just because i'm not there every day doesn't this is all a big part of what is um, so important to the Splice family. We use the word family a lot. I know it's so cliche, but there are staff members you never see or talk to all the time that like can't wait for our games to come on and all of our different you know disciplines and and crowd on the TV and shout and scream and stuff like that. <laughs> but they're not they're not on social media and stuff, so you don't hear about them, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so that was an incredible moment to kind of see that all come together. On the fun side. I just love watching the rapport of, of many of our players, uh, not even just LCS, right? Like watching my COD guys pull each other's chain, watching the jokes the Counter-Strike guys will play on each other when, when we're at an event, you know, um, uh, being in the car with MACD driving to, uh, from, to and from BlizzCon together, uh, you know, like uh, the... I, I've developed a relationship with my players over the years mm -hmm. that uh, they really are like my friends in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of cool moments like that. That's it's hard to pick a, a more than one, but I can tell you there have been a lot of jokes over the years that uh, probably shouldn't get on pub in the public. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Well, wait, wait, uh, wait the uh, tell-all book when you're done with that's, this. Exactly. That's what shows like ours. Carl book, right? Like I don't know if you heard the George Carl book. But I read it. Did everybody? So oh my god, I actually got it and I read it purely I because read, I heard he destroys everybody though. So. He he does. And he does – at some point – Bill Simmons brought this up on a podcast and he's absolutely right. It feels like a chunk of the book is missing because there's nothing about the Kings and Booty. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to a Bill Simmons podcast talking about it. Not to get too far off tangent, but he says it's definitely – they just said you can't talk about that. It's under NDA or something. you know. So, <laughs> But I do think that you guys uh, – just this past week, you started this uh, Who is Splice series on Twitter. And, and MACD has been your first guy. And I think – Ah, you, you actually caught second week. I was the first guy. Okay. I I must have missed that. I I I, I kind of grew up under this generation of if if you if you want someone to do something, the boss has to be willing to do it too. So I said, why don't I go first? So um, I did the first week, and the and Mac did the second week. I honestly was on running running on the treadmill finally because it's almost impossible to find time, and I thought of that. So I'm glad to hear somebody reads it. <laughs> I, it's just it's just been one of these things. Like I feel like that's something that's important and. It's nice. I think I remember when I first saw it, you guys said it wasn't just going to be players. It was going to be um, some behind-the-scenes staff. Obviously, you, you as one of the co-owners started it. So I think that's something all esports departments need to do, all esports teams need to yeah. do. Because as much – I'm a huge TSM fan. As much as I love Bjergsen, 
pretty much know almost everything about Bjergsen by now. Like, I, I want to hear some more about, like, Biofrost or on your team. Yeah. I'd love to hear some more about, about Mickey and, like, how you guys came up, how you picked him as a player. He's a funny guy, let me tell you. He's, you don't get to see it. He's a funny guy. So, but the Bill Simmons, I'm glad we went on that little tangent because something that he's brought up and something Chase and I have brought up before is the, the idea of a sports widow. I'm current, sports what? A sports widow. Is when you know? like you, you know you you were dedicated to a certain team. It, he brings the it Chargers up. after yesterday is what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, the Chargers oh, yeah, yeah. after yesterday. We're like Seattle Supersonics fans. Yeah, yes. when the Supersonics left when the Atlanta Thrashers left. Or Bryce Blum, he's still he's still sitting there. If you've seen this, Bryce, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm setting a tear for you, pal. So, <laughs> but we we built on this. Chase has unfortunately been an esports widow more times than I have. But I am currently one in Europe because I was a long time Moscow Five Gambit guy. And no team has truly stolen my heart for me to want to root with them with a with a fervor. So Unicorns of Love have given me a pretty pretty solid pitch the last three months or so. I want to give you, being the hometown guy, I want to give you just a couple minutes. Why should I be a Splice fan? Well, I, I want to talk about Unicorns of Love before I say that because I think part of what's incredible about them is they've, they're very clear. They understand who they are, right? And there's... They don't pretend to be something they're not, and they're proud of what what they've built. And I think that shows, and that's part of why they're able to build this great fan base. Um, on the other side, I would say for Splice, um, you know, I I think that Spl- I should never matter in why you're a fan of Splice. It should be reflected in what the great players have picked and the staff that put out the great content and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, if our social media and our YouTube channel and our play on, uh, on, on different stages of depending on what game it is, if the demeanor of our players when you see them, if our merchandise, uh, the quality of those things aren't enough to make you a fan, then I failed anyway, right? So um, if I look at what makes people love a sports team, uh, forget the the home affiliation because we're, we're not quite there yet in esports, though I absolutely believe we will be. Um, but the other things are great players great organization great messaging colors uh just all, all those things that go with being a fan and for, it's my job as the, i guess the, in the leadership role being the ceo i don't do a lot of those things i have awesome people that do it for me whether it's our art department video you name it but making sure that they have the right guidance so that it all comes together as cohesive thing so that you go i can see what it is to be a splice fan i want to be part of that right it's it's almost like um it reminds me of uh, joining the Boy Scouts when I was a kid, right? When you join the Boy Scouts, you're like, you you see it, and you're like, that looks awesome. I want to do that, right? Like, I want to go camping every month. I want to like feel proud of myself when I accomplish those things, etc. And and it, it's very clear because they've created this thing that's that it's very clear what it is, right? No one, the Boy Scouts don't have to sell itself on you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a long-winded answer to actually say nothing. <laughs> That's what I literally just. Um, but, but I, I, do, I truly believe that, right? Like at the end of the day, um, it should be everything we, the work we do, should be the thing that's a sa- our sales tool. Yeah, I like Yes, it's an Thorin at all, by the way. Yes, yes. So did you, did you hear his podcast on uh, on um, on advertising esports recently? I don't think I've heard that one yet. No, I, I highly recommend it to everybody because I think he said something that, and he usually is a very he's a very eloquent guy. He said yes. it, I, I couldn't, and what what he said is. Um, I think some some ad, some some people who make products don't always get this. Mm-hmm. Make a great f-ing product, and then get 
exposure for the product tied to the right thing, don't get people to try to convince to try to buy the product. It isn't uh, TSM's job to say, hey, guys, buy Geico. It's Geico's job to make a great product and TSM's job to be tied to it and cool and show how awesome it is that Geico's out there. Mm -hmm. It's exposure, right? It's the same exact thing as a product splices a product, right? I need to make a great product. It's going to sell itself then. Yeah. No, I, I really like that answer. I'll be honest. I like that answer. That's a good nice. sales pitch. Appreciate good it. Sales pitch. It's very fair. And now, obviously, there are plenty of people who have bought in. We're going to have to have you back because you just made that point about regionalization of, uh, of esports and getting sure. a hometown thing. I, yeah, I want yeah. I could pick your brain on that for a couple hours on itself. But well, how about we wait till we get closer to Overwatch and we'll talk about it related to the, the big one that's coming, right? That so. sounds wonderful. It, so, are we going to get a Rochester, New York Overwatch team? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me, Marty? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not go crazier. I will tell you <laughs> I know nothing about Overwatch that you don't know. I just, I, this is not me lying to you. I, I don't have reason to. Good, yeah, because that, you don't know anything either. Yeah, perfect. No, so We know, you read that video you saw? I saw it too. So. <laughs> very I saw it in a cool room with really nice curtains and a lot of famous people, but it was the same video, so. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And we would love when that, uh, when that picks up and we know some more details about that, that would be awesome. But for now... Uh, I want to close with the same thing we ask uh, everyone, uh, you know, team oriented to close with. Is there anything you want to say to your fans, you know, people who have loved your team, who've poured themselves into what you're building, you know, can you just want to talk to them, you know, what that means to you, et cetera? So uh, I have to, I, there's always those cliche things like, we have the greatest fans in the world and stuff like that people say, right? Um, what, what I kind of pinpoint back to is, uh, a lesson I learned from the tech community, which is that in the beginning, when you're building any product, your job is to go and try and get customers one by one, one by one, and touch them in a way that makes them a customer. And so still to this day, I try to live to that philosophy. And so whether it's on social media, responding to absolutely everyone I can, um, whether it's talking to anybody that wants to talk to me in an event, uh, whether it's replying to as many of these emails about questions, about can I get advice or whatever, because people gave me that when I didn't know what I was doing in esports. Um, so I hope that 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 has resonated with the fans out there, and and I and I will say that on the other side, I see that I see the passion you bring, and the, the every time I get to meet somebody or see somebody with they have a splice banner in their Twitter or their name is splice something, and I'm like, oh my god, this person changed their Twitter name to splice something that is so freaking cool, or the kid who ran over to us at the major when we didn't even we were in March of last year, barely when I knew us, we thought at that point it was like. Oh my God! You guys are from Splice. He's like breathing heavy. He's with his mom, and I almost I almost like burst in tears. I'm like, Oh my God! He knows who we are. You know, like um, it, it, I think that um, Crepo says this a lot. Like, don't be afraid to walk up to people because it means more to us than you'll ever imagine. I don't care about awards. I don't care about any of that kind of credit. The second a ten year old fan walks over me and tells me how much he loves the team. You made my year. Like it means more than anything else in esports. I, I've been in entertainment for fifteen plus years. Like you, you do entertainment because you want people to love your work. You don't do it because you want to get credit. You know. Right. So. Yeah. No. I, I think that's fair, and I, I think that's something, Walter. I mean, every little positive comment we see on YouTube or anyone we've met, it's it's the exact same thing. You know, yeah. the, the negative will always be there because of the nature of the internet. Um, and when you yeah. can find a way to focus on the positives, it really does. Uh, it, it does matter and I, I think that's awesome and they grow that. too right like over time you get more and more of them if you engage them make them feel like their voice does matter and it's exciting to see that as the conversation grows you know mm -hmm. absolutely so. i totally agree with that and in fact that's how this happened it was someone reaching out to us 
and he just so happened to be the owner of a European LCS team. So, like Chase said earlier, Marty, thank you so much for for coming on. We definitely, I I think we're definitely going to have you back on at some point. You don't know it yet. Oh, I, I <laughs> do not. Be on another episode. Just took my assistant and scheduled my people get with your people. And, yeah. uh, Absolutely, <laughs> it's all emails, it's all Rolodexes, <laughs> all that jazz. But you're, you've definitely been added to the rough drafts. Uh, friends of the podcast, I think. Yeah, you're, you're an official like friend a, of the podcast. Like a smoking jacket or something for that? Yeah, your badge is coming in the mail. Just wait a little bit. It'll be <laughs> right after ours. Don't you know? Right after we get ours. I'm a thing in gaming. The thumbs up. Have you noticed? Like we brought this back from like 1982. People take a picture and they do this in the picture, and it's like. What? When did this become a thing again? So now here I go. I'm giving you a thumbs up. Officially endorsed by the Rough I know, teams. right? Yes. I think it's because it's the biggest emote everyone uses all the time. Thumbs up. Yep. Thumbs up. So now we do it in real life again, too, as if it's 1982 or I something. I don't actually think that's what the most popular emoji is, well, but that's not safe for Hey, me. I mean, it's super positive, right? Uh. We'll, we'll have to wait until uh, 2017 when we see the emoji movie, which is coming yeah. out this oh, year. God. Then we'll uh, really know. That's right. But until then, I guess you'll have to deal with talking to us on social media networks. I'm at Redshirt King. Uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? I am at C80s underscore LOL. Marty, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the laser chicken guy with a bunch of Z's at the end. Laser chicken, Z, 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 something like three that. Z's. It, I don't even know how many there are. So three is correct. I three Z's. And it was, laser chicken was taken, so I just added a bunch of Z's on the end. I'm not going to lie. It's not an exciting story. That's the only reason I have underscore LOL at the end of my name is there's some egg out there sitting on C80s that hasn't tweeted since 2010. And playing because the guy who owns laser chicken is the real laser chicken, as people will call him. He's the guy that actually like, won BlizzCon, for example, and is actually good at World of Warcraft. <laughs> I just happen to have the same name as him. So I think he does. I, I, no offense. I think he probably deserves <laughs> to have his own name a little bit more. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, if you win BlizzCon, I think you get to keep the Twitter name, right? Yeah. So maybe you guys can have a fight at BlizzCon over it. Maybe you can do uh, you can do a wager. No, well, there we go. We'll see. No. <laughs> I, I'm a mediocre Warcraft player. He's a BlizzCon champion, the best Moonkin of all time. I bow at his feet. <laughs> I, 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 oh, my Moonkin statue's not here. It's the office. I would have pulled it up and showed you how big a Moonkin fan I am. So, that's awesome. well, you'll have to show me in person. We'll ca- grab a couple of Jennies and a couple of Zweigels and. Ah! <laughs> I know, not to say that by Jenny, but I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I just have to say the local beer, because now we're at the end of the show. I have to get as much upstate New York stuff in at the for end. For sure, for sure. That is the end of the episode. Like I said, Marty, thank you so much for joining us. We'll definitely have you on uh, again in the future. And for the rest of you at home, if you like the podcast, you can follow us at Rough Drafts Pod on the Twitters. You can follow Splice at Splice on the Twitters as well. Marty is at Laser Chicken with a bunch of Zs at the end. And store.splice.gg to get a sick hoodie. Not this old one. It's out of stock. We don't make it anymore, but the cool new ones. Yes. And come back tomorrow because today is Monday, the day we release it. Tomorrow is our very first edition of the 2017 Spring Split Guess the Lines episodes. We'll be covering Europe and talking about Splice tomorrow. (laughs) So until then, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month 
gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.